my background is I came from three uh, enterprise-sized organizations. I've always been an executive building businesses and integrating businesses. And my most, um, my, my, I always joke that as a Canadian and a disruptor, I'm like the nicest disruptor you're going to meet, but disrupt I will. <laughs> and so probably the, the, the biggest turn that I made was building a over $20 million business inside of um, a, a large media company. And I took a cost center and made it, you know, multi-million dollar cost center and made it into a multi-million dollar uh, revenue generating group. Um, so my, my focus has always been building great teams that deliver on a mission of great, you know, great value and, um, and great revenue to keep driving the sustainability of great teamwork and great achievement together. Um, so I, I learned, you know, I learned that rule of, um, the, the um, when, when I came into consulting, into the consulting world, the rule was as short of murdering someone, uh, as if you made the most money, you got to set the rules. Nobody messed with you. And so I realized, huh, all I have to do is make money. And then I get to do what I know is the right thing to do and we'll make more money and be more sustainable and be satisfying and create purpose and mission and growth and all the things you wanna feel as a leader that you're doing and you're contributing to the organization that you're building and to the team that you're building um, and, and for your own fulfillment, you know, there's, there's something beyond just the numbers. And, um, and that's where, you know, my role certainly um, has changed within C-Suite Network, but I'm still the general manager of the Hero Club. Um, my business partner, Jeffrey Hazlett wrote the Hero Factor there, which is essentially the mantra for the Hero Club. Um, you know, CEOs that are dedicated to do more uh, than just look at the, the numbers uh, in the equation. Well, thank you, Trisha Ben. Let me welcome you officially to the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast. We started a fascinating conversation and it just continued. So uh, let me uh, explain to everybody that today we're going to talk to Trisha because she's in a, uh, been a senior executive, as she was saying, in uh, three enterprise level organizations. And uh, because I'm a, a, an executive advisor with the C-Suite Network, I've, I've had almost weekly interactions with you, Tricia, and I've been nothing but impressed with how you uh, uh, expand our capabilities. So I really thought that, in fact, one of the conversations we had was how you, uh, you call uh, the people that uh, that support you, supporters, and that managers can actually call their people supporters. And I went, that's a really neat idea because once upon a time there was uh, the word subordinate mm -hmm. and then it morphed into direct reports. And now we actually call them individual contributors. But I mm -hmm. really like the elevated term supporters. So uh, what's your thoughts around that? Oh, I, I love it. I'm a massive believer. So it's not just that the, the, that that traditional role of subordinate is a supporter, but in fact, the more you're the leader, the more you have final sign off, the more you're the supporter of those that report to you. Is that like servant leadership? Absolutely. So the, so the uh, leading every single person, and this is what I say to the entire company um, that, that we're building, Everyone on this team is expected to be a leader and a supporter. 
So you own the things that you own that you're responsible for delivering against the mission for the entire team and your personal responsibility. You own that and you lead in that space. And you're also supporting everyone else on your team and succeeding in, in what their responsibility is to deliver on the team and uh, team success and the mission that you've all committed to. So this way you can have leapfrogged growth as well. So if you look at fast trajectory growth, if you don't have the people that support you understanding what you do quickly, then you lose a lot of time and time is the killer. Time is absolutely the killer. No matter how much money you have, you can never buy back time. So the more that leader allows the supporter to take the lead and then the leader then supports them, the faster they understand what the hot seat feels like and all the things that need to happen for that leader to be successful, which means the leader can now leapfrog further forward than that. So you get exponential growth in, this, in, in the speed of your growth through that idea. And it also obviously plays to the whole notion of an empathetic leader um, who's putting themselves in the position of supporter and vice versa to keep going forward. Trisha, you talk about the uh, manager co-elevating people, and that's a very elegant term. And how do you how do you describe co-elevation? I love the term co-elevation. So I always thought collaboration, lifting people, and I, you you see you've seen me a hundred times do this, Nina, where it's like we lift all of us up. You know, everybody has different expertise, and that rising tide you know, raises all boats. Um, and I have to credit Keith Ferrazzi. He came and spoke with us. Uh, he's absolutely phenomenal. And he came up with that term co-elevation. And he was the youngest uh, CMO in a Fortune 100 company. It was Deloitte. Um, he wrote a book recently on um, uh, leadership without authority. And this idea of co-elevation is how do you raise people up to bring out their brilliance? And the fact of the matter is, and all of us who have the sort of um, uh, the experience, the tread marks <laughs> on our backs of learning the hard way, um, when you let people be empowered and really own what they bring, what their expertise is, that the, the diverse strength that they have to bring to the team and let them go with that, uh, with the expectation and you know clear outline in terms of what our mission is, what our success looks like, it, it is absolutely phenomenal. And that co-elevation absolutely plays an in, a critically important role in that. Yes, having having led people as well, uh, as well, I guess the pitfall is is finding the right balance because you still have to lead from the front. You can't abdicate a leadership role. You can't say, well, everybody's uh, leading themselves because that just doesn't happen in the, in the real world because uh, in a perfect world, people have uh, fixed their unresourceful behaviours and in the real world, we find that we have to deal with people's behaviours that aren't necessarily to the good of all. So mm -hmm. I don't know, can you talk to that, that, that fine balance, yeah. that little tug of war that may happen sometimes? I had a mentor once who said it's not a democracy. You know, so at the end of the day, somebody ultimately has to take responsibility. And the way that I look at it is how do you as the leader make sure there's alignment on the mission and where that person's value is in terms of what is their responsibility? What's their stretch goal in terms of what they're delivering on and how do they deliver to the team's success? So those are always the three things that I incorporate into a performance review. 
And then I look at, okay, so um, how much leeway can you give without it costing whoever you serve? Right. So, so you have to set a boundary in terms of this is this is leeway we can play with. Beyond that, we can't play with it. You know, so so it might be if you have processes set up where there's a schedule that's followed and allows for three to five days of wiggle room. Maybe that's three to five hours, but that time allows that person to own something and do something different with it, put their mark on it, um, and take it one step further. And then and then what you get from that then is next when it goes to the next person who has that you know the last five percent to add and ideally that is the the, the leader right you you only want to be adding the last few percent once you get something in a normal process um then you're ready to uh, wrap that and get that out so that it only becomes a benefit to the customer or client or partner that you're working with you mentioned performance reviews and of course the, the whole concept of performance reviews appears to be in a bit of flux. Um, once upon a time it was every quarter and managers would save up their negative feedback and dump it on people all at once. So it was like this, um, this incredible uh, interrogation and uh, people would come out feeling like the skin had been stripped off them. So. What, what really is, is, is the ideal way to give feedback? Uh, is, is it more, free, more uh, frequency? Is it um, uh, the sandwich method, you know, praising people as well as giving them uh, the things that you want them to, uh, to improve? What, how, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I think that there's, there is some notion that there's a silver bullet, you know, and now we've got it. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think we'll ever perfect it. <laughs> there's some, there's some hybrid, but then the complication is it has to be authentic for the type of leader you are. And one of the things that I'm a huge believer in is there's no one great type of leader. Um, you know, the, the book Quiet, is a fantastic book about introverts and great leadership. And the, the fact of the matter is anyone, I truly believe anyone can be a great leader if they're really focused, if they're really um, mentored, um, if they're um, able to, to be brought into a system to understand how they can pull out their great leadership. Um, I, I, I think that's uh, just absolutely something inherent in our being. I truly believe that. And so um, how we evaluate, I think, is very much about are we setting up that mission and then the alignment for that person to understand how they're contributing. And I, I always think of Sheryl Sandberg's, uh, the quote that she shared in her book, um, you know, when you're asked to jump on the rocket ship, you don't ask which seat, right? So <laughs> you get on that rocket ship and you you, you take it up. And so, um, you know, really, I think it's about how we say, okay, this is the mission. This is the rocket ship that we're on. Now we are going to figure out which seat is for you. What, what makes the most sense? And when you're on a fast growth trajectory, for me, that's the most exciting because you actually are creating enough opportunity for that person to keep leapfrogging themselves and their own growth and so on. So, um, so that alignment is really important. So I find having, I like to oscillate. I like the once a year, here's the review, here's the mission, this is where you fit, what do you think? And let them write it, 
Every, you know, that's another thing. As managers, as leaders, we think, oh, we've got all this work. No, we don't. You know, they, they are collaborators. <laughs> you know, they are collaborators in their growth and the strategy of how you're going to succeed. Let them draft it. That's a great excuse for a conversation and alignment. That's and then how do you keep coming back to that? How is it being delivered on? How are you creating those opportunities for the ongoing conversation that helps move forward and shows that you're respecting what they're bringing to the table? And I think when you do that, whether it's you know once a year and you know you have your you know once a week or once every other week quick check-ins or you know a little bit more time you're dedicating for strategy sessions along the way, you're going to get into a cadence that works for you with your primary leadership. Um, and then, and then, and then play with it. You know, uh, when COVID happened, we went from having uh, a team meeting once in a while to twice a week. And we still have a team meeting twice a week. And that's a very conscious decision. It's a lot of resourcing a whole hour, twice a week for the whole entire company. But with COVID and the fact that we can't be in an office together, we feel that's a valuable investment to make. Now, will we change that? Absolutely. Um, when? I don't know. We'll keep evaluating. Right. Well, in fact, Eric Schmidt, when he came to, uh, was CEO of Google, when they, they only had uh, meetings every fortnight or, or every two weeks or so, and he got them to do frequent short meetings and uh, that sort of evolved over time. So mm -hmm. when, when, because the, uh, the years, year 2020 and continuing into 2021, it is a different year where we're having to respond to changes that are coming at us at a faster pace. Uh, whether it'll stay like that or whether it'll settle down, who, only, <laughs> only the future knows. You, you talk about quick check-ins and I think the other term for it is one-on-ones. And some managers think that their job in terms of working with the team is to hold team meetings. But how important is the the one-on-one the -on -one uh, short informal meeting. You know, I've just gone through erasing all my wonder ones for January. And the reason I did that is I wanted to be very mindful about how I want January to be set up. So what I'm going to do in January is I'm going to set up quick 15 minute check-ins um, once a week for the people that I have, I need, you know, regular check-ins with. So my top leadership and then once every other week for others. And then I think beyond that, it's really important to spend quality time with people who need that quality check-in when they need it. So allowing ourselves the flexibility to really respect that our, our team, our people, you know, they, and there are different times where they're going to need a different kind of conversation. Um, so I think the 15 minute check-ins, those are sharp, they're quick, they're, they're, you know, you know exactly what you're going to cover, what's good, what's not, what do you need, uh, you know, are we on track, anything you're worrying about, anything, any flags, you know, that, that's a quick uh, check-in and the ability to identify, hmm, we need a little more time on this, uh, you know, and then you can schedule that more time. Um, because check-in is also scheduled as well? Yeah. Yeah, because um, this is where I made what I made so many mistakes early in my career. I used to think that open door policy was a great idea. That was open interruption. What yes. I now realize is people, if they want to actually interrupt me, let's make a time and I'll do do all my little quick check ins all at once in a day. And usually things can wait until you uh, have an agreed time. 
Well, and it treats it with the respect that's needed, right? That that your time, open door policy is wonderful. I, I And here's the way that I use an open door policy, which is house on fire. So if the house is on fire, carte blanche, <laughs> make whatever call you need to make, tell me what you need in that moment, period, done. You have my support. Um, and, and so that's always there. You know, you, something happens, you need me now, you need me now, you let me know. And everybody knows how to reach me immediately. So I know there's something like that. And you know, Nina, that seldom happens. Normally you're planning, you've got your time and you're set to go. And, um, and so that, that, uh, that works out. And there might be the odd time here and there, but I think now especially is going to be really critical for us as business leaders to be mindful about how we spend our time. And that's why I canceled all my one-to-ones because I I'm spending this week just getting myself set up so that I can lead successfully in 2021. And I wanna be very mindful about my one-to-one -one time when it happens and when I'm giving myself time to complete the very important tasks in terms of leading the entire business. And, um, and that's something I think all of us need to be mindful of now because our, our time has kind of slid from home office you know, uh, scenarios and, and just not our normal um, breaks in the day. You know, it might be a commute or, or other things that we do that break up our that's day. Right. We, yeah, when we had the, the commute, we actually had uh, brain downtime to actually daydream and they call that brain default mode. And it's, it's restorative and people, managers especially, everybody needs the opportunity to make connections between incoming information. So if we've all always got constructed meeting time, we're not having that sort of off time as well. We're on uh, more often than we're off. But um, have, you, have you discovered any, uh, or come to any insights about leading people remotely? And, um, and, and now that we've been doing it for some time, uh, if you've got any advice around how you can successfully create collaboration uh, while people are working remotely? I think there are, there are a couple of things. One, I think it's really important that you are mindful about the leadership on mission and what people owe to the team, you know, because when we're independently driven and we're driven against a mission, we won't let the rest of the team down. And so, you know, you can monitor people and I know there's technology, how long have people been looking at the screen and is it on and all that kind of stuff. I can't imagine a more pitiful way to spend my time personally. And, and I know there's some businesses where that has to happen. I respect that that's the case. Thankfully not in mine and I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want um, people on my team to be just as driven to serve um, the, the way that I am and more so, you know, uh, that, that we really are driven to have an impact by fueling the business owners and leaders and influencers that will change the world. Our, our commitment is all about great business having great impact. So, so that's one thing. I think those values-based approaches to businesses, which is what the Hero Factor is all about, what the Hero Club is all about, what C-Suite Network is all about, that has never been more important. Um, that that motivation, that connection, that knowing that every single person on that team matters because they're delivering, and otherwise we couldn't, uh, as a team, succeed. And um, managers need to remember that they are the chief motivator, and oh. that they need to frequently refer back to the big picture benefit 
to the community that their organization, their enterprise is giving, even if maybe their small team, they may have their own mission that is separate or independent of the enterprise's mission. For example, the IT department for a health department has their own mission, which is yep. uh, supporting the, the, the overarching mission. So how important is it the managers that frequently refer back to that big picture uh, contribution? I think it could not possibly be more important. And we all need to have that sense of belonging and purpose and meaning. And nothing has changed in that, <laughs> you know, except that I believe it's even that much more important because so many of us are feeling disconnected uh, with having to work entirely from home offices or not interact in our communities the way we normally would. I just wondered if, if you wanted to tell us a little bit about the book that you've is almost ready for publication. Title is just a working title at the moment. So, but it is available on uh, on Amazon or? Yes, it will be. It will be. And what um, is the overarching theme of your book, Tricia? Really, it's about how great leaders can create great leaders in their teams, and 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 really about how we as leaders support that leadership and ownership of delivering on the mission and creating great teams that do that. And so, of course, it touches on our diversity how, and how diversity truly in action is a benefit, you know, not this incredibly challenging thing because everybody's different, but a tremendous strength that you're bringing to bear. Because again, if you think about it as business leaders, really what we're trying to do is save time, right? We're just trying to get to things faster, get through the things that don't work faster, get through to the things that do work faster. Learn and to so, fail fast. Well, yeah, it, and, and the thing is, it to me, um, it's not about failing fast. It's about getting through, you know, just that one more step. I mean, how many times, this is a perfect example, you have a young, really bright person and they say, what should I do? You know, and you say, just keep going, right? <laughs> like, like go, right? I remember getting that advice when I was younger and thinking, that doesn't satisfy me whatsoever. <laughs> you know? But but really, it's just keep going, but, but go faster if you can, you know, um, keep moving, keep and moving. Directions and, and eventually, as you keep moving forward, the, the good things stay and the, the, the less valuable things fall away. Exactly. I, I love, I've been, I love just simple illustrations. And this is another thing, since we only have this little box in front of us, I explained to my team, we need fast growth. This is what we're aiming for, this kind of growth. So we need that innovation. So you've got to keep trying. And then you use your infrastructure to hold in place the things you want to keep, right? And let the other stuff drop off really quickly, as fast as possible. And then keep letting that innovation pull you up. And, and the only way you can do that is by having the infrastructure fill in what you want to keep and drop the other stuff quickly. Wow. So not acting like it's some kind of mistake or failure. Who cares? It's just information. This works. We're keeping it. <laughs> this doesn't right. we're dropping it. it's, yeah. it's called mistake-based learning and it's not a mistake it's a le learning experience absolutely it teaches you what you want to keep what you like what you want to see more and it gives you experience to build on so that your team understands and feels what it is to succeed and how to keep pushing through to that success how can this is my final question i suppose how can someone who's aspiring to be a manager and yet their manager isn't uh, ref uh, ex 
reflecting the behaviours that they would like to see in a manager. I guess they just have to move sideways. They can't really change the manager that's leading them, can they? I am not a huge believer in that. No. <laughs> Try as I might. Find another mentor in the organisation and see if you can move sideways. I, I think the, the really important thing to do is to understand that the person who is in a managerial role ahead of you is a human being and they're trying to figure out what works for them and what doesn't work for them as well. So everybody's on that trajectory. I think the most important thing you can do is really learn yourself and certainly the values that you want to live by and other leaders that you really respect. Does that thinking ring through and ring true for you? And if it does, then it's going to feel right and it will deliver for you. And, and that's the thing that I think is most wrong about a lot of the leadership and the different typology models that are out there. It's like, yeah, yeah, but this is the best one. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you, you need to be authentic to who you are. And if you are, you will be far more successful faster in terms of how you deliver. You, you, you show up in a space that's credible, it's authentic. Um, people believe they want to be a supporter for you. They want to be a great leader for you. And, and I think um, it's, it's really um, lazy. If you have the intelligence to understand what great leadership is, it's lazy to point out the faults in somebody else. Right. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And it's disrespectful too. It's like, it is. Uh, there, there are ways to uh, get a message across without being so uh, confronting. Yeah. And deliver. I mean, if you have an idea and you have conviction against it, deliver on it. Mm. There's nothing like it. Yes. Because know. the last thing you want, if you're a manager, the last thing you want is politics, which is people white anting you, uh, criticizing you behind your back. If you're going to, if you're going to uh, critique something or make a suggestion, that's mm -hmm. one thing. But uh, not this um, uh, undercurrent murmuring that can happen in organisations. And stand behind it. Be the solution. You know, if there's something you see isn't working, deliver on it. You know, um, in my family, the rule was if you want to criti criticize the the meal then you better be prepared to cook the next night. And, and that, that makes you think twice about how you criticize somebody else. Um, and there's no lack of need for great leadership, um, you know, big and small. It's absolutely critically important. And it's very lazy, especially if you have the intelligence, the conviction, the understanding that there are great ways to lead that will lead people down a great path then keep pushing, keep pushing on that in yourself because that you could control. You can't control somebody else's management style. Um, you can learn to communicate differently though. Um, and that's something I think I'll write about at some point. My, my um, business, business partner is Jeffrey Hazlett and he and I absolutely have very different styles in many ways, um, but we've learned a, a way to communicate that makes us very effective in leading. Um, and so I think there's um, there's a lot of opportunity for growth and learning and understanding and then building on the strengths of the diversity of the leadership. Well, I'm a great believer in always be reading. And so we'll put uh, the, the book title in the show notes when it becomes available. So wh whatever time of the year people are listening to this uh, episode, they'll uh, have access to your, your latest book, which is uh, poised to be published. Thank you so much for uh, having this conversation with me today, Tricia. It's always insightful 
and illuminating and you've just got such a rich experience behind you and working with you on a weekly basis has been such a joy for the last year so thank you so much for your contribution to my personal uh uplifting <laughs> experience thank you so much nina and and absolutely the same to you it's inspiring every single time i get to spend time with you and how you give in the community and lead you know it takes all of us doing that to have such tremendous impact so Thank you so much. That's right. Well, C-Suite Network is a great collaboration. Thank you for joining us today and all the best. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.